Ladies and gents, I was lucky enough to be joined by the great man Dave McNeil for today's podcast as we episode uh, a really big mentor in his life. I'm going to let him do the official introduction in just a moment. If you do enjoy this podcast and if you do enjoy Dave McNeil, uh, you might want to know that our members can get exclusive access to bonus podcasts with Dave McNeil and other top athletes like Australia's 1500 meter uh, record holder Ryan Gregson, there's Jess Trengove or Stenson. Uh, Brett Robinson, Australian half marathon record holder, a whole heap more. We've got two to three bonus podcasts that go up every single month, as well as an elite insight video library of physiotherapists and nutritionists, all giving you guidance and advice on how to improve your running, stay consistent so you can continually fly along without too much interruption to your progression. So if you want to jump on board there, it's relaxrunning.com slash join, five bucks a month still, only for a little while longer before prices go up. So make sure you make the most of those cheap prices. All right, I'm going to get out of your way. This is Dave McNeil introducing today's episode. Enjoy. Hey everyone, Dave McNeil here for the Relax Running Podcast. I was fortunate this week to sit down with Tyson to have a chat to this week's latest guest. His name is Bert Gershader. He is a trained psychologist and a counsellor working out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Bert and I have known each other for over 10 years now and he, throughout that time, has played a pivotal role in nurturing my mental health and getting me ready uh, along the road for a number of key performances. And we talk about his role in getting me to the London Olympics. We talk about some of his work uh, throughout his career working with runners and some of the things he's learnt about runners. We talk about his working philosophy, uh, things that he uses to connect with people and the value of human connection. Anyway, it's a great discussion, um, lots of wisdom shared. Uh, you are certain to learn something. I do every time I sit down with Bert. Enjoy the episode. Dave the other day and I said mate all right like how do we how do we do this and he goes uh, you know what I reckon we should do how about we just uh, we, we kick start with me giving a bit of an overview as to as to how I bet, met Bert uh, going into or, or sort of lead up to the 2012 Olympics was it? I thought you know what what a great place to start so to kick start how about I handball to Dave and and Dave give us a bit of an overview of uh, of how you guys kick started this this relationship because it'd be interesting to interesting to hear yeah well, uh, I mean, we we still regularly, even to this day, count our blessings uh, um, about uh, how how we met and and who introduced us. So um, so we we first met uh, over ten years ago now. So it was back in two thousand and nine, um, and my coach at uh, Northern Arizona University at the time um, introduced us. My um, Mental health wasn't in a in a great spot at that at that point, and um, and Eric uh, Eric approached me one day and said, "Hey, what do you how do you feel about maybe um, maybe having a bit of a chat to um, a good guy I know named Bert?" And um, and yeah, so I I met Bert in two thousand and nine, uh, and 
so more more unrelated to running, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, we we I, we hit it off, and I I felt I'd sort of met a kindred spirit, um, someone that I felt comfortable uh, comfortable around, and someone who I felt had a lot in common with. I think um, just in terms of a uh, yeah, kind of a um, a, a, a tender soul, I guess. And um, yeah, sort of fast forward a, a bit, we we reconnected a few times over the over the next sort of two three years. Um, and I guess yeah, probably of most interest, I guess, and 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 relevance perhaps to to listeners and and um, from my from a running perspective, um, we. We reconnected again in early 2012. Um, this was a Olympic year, so um, going into the London Olympics, I hadn't had a, a great year competitively the, the, the previous 12 to 18 months and um, was feeling a little bit doom and gloom about uh, my prospects. Um, we were uh, we were into April 2012, so the, the trials had already been gone in Australia. I'd come dead last. Um, uh, I'd been injured, um, and uh, and I uh, probably two weeks before I was going to have a have a shot at a um, a qualifying time. I just I I was a bit overwhelmed and and kind of thought, what am I doing? This is this is not going anywhere, and um, and I called called up Dad in tears. I was over in the US at the time. I was like, I think it's just time to come home. I think this is a waste of time. And um, and Dad Dad said, Well, how about you maybe have a chat to Bert? Um, you, you know, there's not much you can do right now. You've got to race in about five days' time. So let's just get through that. And and um, so I connected with Bert, and and um, you know. Probably the rest is history. Five five days later, I uh, I um, I went to Mount Sac, um, which is a, a college in in California, Southern California, and uh, it was actually a, it was meant to be a warm up race for a ten k I was going to do the, the the following week, and um, I I just went in with a renewed um, renewed sense of of calm. Um, you know, it life life was was it what it was what it was at the time. Um, I kind of let go a little bit of uh, my expectations and um, accepted the situation I was in, and and um, and I felt good on the day. And <laughs> I uh, I ran a, a, a personal best and and ran an Olympic qualifier in the five k, um, which was not what well, certainly wasn't the goal. The goal was to kind of just get the legs moving and ready for a 10k the following week but that 5k ended up um yeah certainly changing my life and i i remember uh reconnecting with bert the next week and um and he because we we were preparing for a race another week down the track um so we were going to get through this race meet up again and then get to the next race and and i went i went and saw bert the next week and Said uh, something strange, kind of strange happened, and um, I actually ended up running an Olympic qualifier in a 5k, which was 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 not the intention. Um, and uh, I just it, it was Bert couldn't stop laughing for about. Five minutes. It was just uh, it was just a, a very jovial 
um, oh. moment. And uh, and um, yeah, a lot of lot of love in the room at the time as well. So that was kind of that's kind of us how we, how we sort of a little bit of a glimpse into how we met. Um, but I think the the biggest story is is that um, I think over the over the years we've we've just connected uh, um, personally. I think and um, and Bert's uh, Bert and his beautiful wife Wendy um, very kindly take me in every time I come and visit in Flagstaff and um, and we just feel like family and and I've I've been very fortunate to introduce my family to to Bert and Wendy and and um and we just share a we share a uh, yeah very a very dear connection um from opposite ends of the world and 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 we still we still connect and and um are very much part of each other's lives so it's a beautiful thing as they say <laughs> yeah yeah that is beautiful Bert I would love to know what you said the week before that race because something obviously clicked how uh, <laughs> it was the the magic formula was it boy you know if I uh if I could bottle that, whatever it was that I said, I'd be a billionaire, you know, because because really when David came in before that, get I mean, if you were just looking at reality, he didn't have a chance. I mean, his head was in the right, wasn't in a good place. He hadn't been running well, and all of a sudden he's going to go for Olympic qualifier, you know. So, and both of us were, you know, just going, okay, we're kind of going through the motions. It wasn't like there was going to be uh, uh, this was going to. That's why I laughed because I, I it was really out of reality. It, it was literally out of reality where we were, where he had been, and then the result. So ask me what I said. I, I can't. I, I, I don't have the notes, but I, but I do know that you know what I I, I kind I hope I can do is to get people to realize that anything negative in your head. Is garbage. It's garbage. It's literally garbage. And David was able to let go of the garbage and just use his beautiful body. You know, and, and that's really, you know, essentially what it was. He showed up and because really we all, and particularly when we're going after something, that's when those demons come up the best because they don't want us to do any good. You know, and they're, they're good. They're clever. They know, how to, they know how to latch on to to us and make us think that we can't do it. So I'm sure that during that time, we somehow, in some wonderful, magical, who knows how way, were able to, for him to see who he was and just let go of that stuff. And it, that was the magic. And, and that, that it, you know, and that's happened a few times in our life together, you know, where you were before races, between injuries or stuff like that, you've, some magical way, you've been able to come back and overcome the uh the demons which you, you know forget about the running which is there but just your ability to do that has been i'm glad we can even talk about that because that's nobody knows about that when you're running they think oh he's just a great runner you know so it, it, it's such a joy to be on this ride together and to watch you every time no matter how big those demons are barking and nipping and biting and scratching and arguing you know you've been somehow be able be able to let them go and here we are today mm. what what do you remember uh, any more of that conversation dave because I, I know those moments like we we all do i guess where you're you're weighed down with negative thoughts or nervous and especially when you're 
I guess the the performances on the track are, are, are sort of equal, probably to what's going through your head. Both quite, uh, for lack of a better better term, rubbish in comparison to what you're capable of. So, like in a in a week or two to turn around, um, not only your headspace like that, but your performance on the track is is pretty big. Like uh, I'm sure that would hit a nerve or, or strike a chord with so many people listening to this. Was there was there particular things that you did in order to get your head right in that time, or was it just a, a fresh perspective that Bert offered that allows you to go out with a new sense of confidence? Yeah, look, I, th- I think, um, and this is this is often um, kind of my first point of call when uh, when I do, when I am overwhelmed, um, you know, whether it's going into a race or, you know, other, other circumstances um, is, is, and look, I, I, I'm, I'm saying this now with a, a lot more practice, um, and I, I probably didn't have as much practice back in 2012, but I, I can tell you that um, there's always, uh, like, like Bert said, there's always garbage and then there's um, kind of that, that beautiful distilled um, essence of, of your, your best self. And, um, and we've always, we, at, at the end of the day, we, we do have a choice over what part of that um, narrative um, we listen to, um, but that choice is not an easy one. It's it's always that the the the, um, the the garbage is a, a, is much larger um, and much louder, and um, it's very hard to get away from that sometimes. Um, but I, I did I do remember um, in the the few days leading up to the, that race, um, you know, making a very conscious effort to. Um, to focus on uh, things that I was grateful for at the time. Um, so, you know, I, I was in the US. Um, my, I didn't have a shoe contract. I, I wasn't making any money. Um, my parents were, were supporting me, um, supporting that Olympic dream, um, which certainly was, was, a, was a, a, uh, a far-fetched dream at the time. Um, but, you know, that sort of realization and 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 kind of focusing on that and and what a gift it was it really uh that's that's enough to just kind of spark that little that little fire in you that um is is a lot more uh um productive than 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 the uh, the garbage the garbage is is almost like smoking um whereas that little candle is a is a uh is a perfectly formed flame um that uh does a lot more to light the room whereas the smoke just kind of um yeah blocks 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 you seeing everything else so so gratitude was a was a huge part of those sort of four or five days um trying to turn my my mental headspace around um which was which was a good thing because i i remember uh the um so i i'd arranged um, another guy in town, Diego Estrada, who was a, a teammate of mine at NAU, we'd, um, he was going to race at Mount Sac as well that weekend. And, um, and we'd, he said he was going to drive there um, a couple of days before and we were going to, and I was going to get a lift with him. So it was about a six, seven hour drive from Flagstaff. So, you know, a couple of days before, not a big problem. Um, I think the the day before we were we were meant to drive, Diego um, sent me a message and said, "Hey man, 
um, really sorry, but something's come up with my uh, my passport. So he was he at the time he was organising a passport application for Mexico. And anyway, long story short, we had to we had to leave Flagstaff um, at two a.m. in the morning um, to to get him to uh, to LA. I think by you know by nine o'clock or whatever. So <laughs> we kind of did an all nighter drive. Um, which was another ingredient just to throw salt on the wounds that this was this was not meant to be. This was not the perfect preparation. Um, but uh, at that point, it was almost comical. So we we just kind of enjoyed enjoyed the ride. And I I arrived and uh, I um, my coach at the time, James Lee. He was he was there with his University of Arizona team. So I I. Um, I bunked in in his room and and just had a bit of a nap and went for a jog and then um, yeah went and raced the next day and and um, yeah so I think long story short gratitude was a was a um, a huge component of um, trying to uh, drown out the the garbage and the 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 the, the, uh, the smoke that was just um, infiltrating me and and. Um, and yeah, putting me kind of in a negative headspace, and and um, yeah, it seemed to work. <laughs> yeah, it definitely worked. That's awesome. I'm watching Bert laugh as you tell these stories as well. So I can imagine there's a lot of emotion attached to the the roller coaster ride that it sounds like it was. But but I'm uh, I'm really keen to. Obviously, this is the first time that I I've been lucky enough to to have a chat with you. I feel like I know you, having read a bit through your book and um, had a few conversations with Dave about your relationship, but. Um, I'm sure Dave's one of, of many athletes that you've worked with over the years, and I know you've got a big role out at uh, NAU. I was, I'm really curious to, to find out um, sort of what led to, to you being in the position where you are in a, a opportunity to be able to mentor and guide and, and help these younger athletes sort of overcome the hurdles, which you're, which you're obviously doing a brilliant job at. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, that's a long story, just how I, how I got to this place. So I went to graduate school at Northern Arizona University uh, in psychology, uh, and uh, which happens to a lot of people. I mean, most of the stuff that I learned in school wasn't the stuff that really turned me on, and it was outside of school that I that I learned a lot of stuff, and it, it got me so excited. I, I wanted to start a private practice in Flagstaff, Arizona, and there wasn't anybody with a master's degree at the time uh, who, that had a private practice, so all my professors said I didn't have a chance which was really good for me, you know, to tell me that I didn't have a chance because, and they, they even asked me things like, you know, do you take a survey, you know, stuff like that. Do you know if there's a need? And I said, well, I did take a survey. I surveyed myself and there's a need. (laughs) You know, know, and then literally within a day or two, I went down to the television station and I say, Hey, you got, you got a spot for me. And, uh, he said, and she looked at me like, you know, some young guy. Well, I was 30 years old at the time. And uh, and, I, and he said, yeah, you want to start Thursday? <laughs> We've got a show going on. And I said, and I cut and it. I kind of buckled, you know. And she said, oh, you people in psychology are all the same. You know, you, you know, <laughs> then you buckle. I said, no, no, I'm in. You know, so I, I really began early on to sort of get to to just go out and do some Whatever it is, you know, some gutsy stuff, knock on doors and and make stuff happen. And and it was just kind of neat. At that time, I was it. You know, I mean, like that that was kind of nice. 
I mean, the one hand, it made it hard because I didn't have it. wasn't a path that I was following. But uh, on the other hand, I was on TV and everybody knew me. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you, you, you kick started um, you kick started in a pretty dramatic way. And then uh, so over the years, you've you. So you're now a, you're a psychologist as well as working I'm, at NAU I'm, or are those roles mutual? A counselor. You know, counselor. Right. And, and what was the, the question that you asked? Uh, so I wasn't sure whether you, um, were you whether you operated a practice outside of the university or whether the uh, university role was where you do your counselling um, with the athletes. Yeah, so I've got a private practice, an office in downtown Flagstaff. So I'd go out and contract. And I basically had known, um, I mean, when I was going to school, the, uh, the first really great head coach there, Ron Mann, he was on the team. So I, I got to, you know, the cross-country team. And, and I, I had known, I got just to know the the coaches one way or another. And I, I did play two sports in college, so I was kind of a jock in my own my own way. So I just had this attraction. And and I just always wanted to do what I love to do. So literally, I just knocked on doors. And, uh, and, and we did, and that's so why I did work with athletes. And we did a lot of team building programs. We did ropes courses. You know, we... People are climbing over walls and things like that and all kinds of other things. But, you know, at this point, to this date, I've worked with every team one way or another at NAU, either individually or as a team. And it just, you know, it's a life's passion. And I still like, as you can see now, I'm wearing uh, an NAU swimming and diving, you know, shirt. And I've worked with them for 15 years and they just won their sixth championship. And I, I have a little bit to do with it. You know, I mean, obviously, there's so much more than my role, but it's such a joy one of the things I love about athletes, okay, it's really cool because, and, and, and actually this may be the answer to the question, when you're a serious athlete, there's a discipline to what you do. There's a seriousness to what you do. You don't get to where you're going just because you love it. You get to, to where you're going because you're willing to put it on the line. So what's cool for me as a counselor for an athlete they're they're very they're my favorite because they're going to do everything. You know, I say, well, well, did you do? You know, tell me how how next week after the stuff that we did, and they tell me stories about what they did. It's like, oh, now I know why you are such a good athlete because literally you put your heart and your soul into everything you do. So just being around that energy is such a joy. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, to see. Just, just the total devotion to that, and and willingness to do what needs to be do to take to take it to another level. The whole thing, and David said this to me recently when we were talking. So now he's been to two Olympics, right? He's uh, not a, not as young a guy as he used to be. Um, <laughs> he's just coming off, um, you know, a, a hip deal, which he couldn't run for a long time. You know, once again, you know, the demons start having their way. You know, they kind of work their way out of your hip into your brain. And, and uh, but he said to me, I know I can still be a better runner. It wasn't that cool. I mean, that that is just ingrained in his spirit. I've been to two Olympics. I've been injured. I've been down. I got this whole new career as a physio. The Olympics have been called off. I don't know what's going on. I can still be a better runner. So really, there's so much of the joy of being around that spirit. It's like, are you kidding me? How can I not? It's, it's one of the great joys 
of my entire life. Mm-hmm. That energy, and then to be, you know, with David, it's just, uh, you know, we 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 always cry when we get together. <laughs> no, no, really, you know. And then, so that's that's that that's that's how it's evolved over the years. And now I can look back and go, oh, so it's been probably, you know, one of the, definitely the highlight you know, of my of my career. Mm. So yeah, no, that's powerful. But I'm actually. I'm reading a book at the moment. I'm not sure if you've heard of, uh, uh, he's a, a Franciscan priest over in America uh, by the name of Richard Rohr. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm reading this book at the moment called, um, uh, it's like On the Brink of Transformation, and it's all about male spirituality. Yeah. And uh, I'm really fascinated in, in, in that um, particular theme at the moment. And, uh, and just when you mentioned that you and Dave, uh, when you get together, you cry. One of the chapters that he speaks about is that that's a, a really big commodity that's missing amongst a, a lot of males at the moment. We like to bury our grievances and we like to push them down and pretend we're fine. And especially in our day and age, it's even more difficult to talk about the the struggles that um, that a man might have uh, because you're, you're viewed as having all the privileges. But the, I guess some of the grievances are real. So to have a bloke like you who I've been talking to you for 25 minutes and I, it, it's funny how comfortable I already feel. Like I, I could imagine being in Dave's situation and, and just with your joy and enthusiasm probably start to tear up. But um, it's it's something which uh, which is obviously very powerful and people respond to and um, I, I was I was speaking to Dave briefly the other day and he, he messaged me back and uh, I, I sort of had a chuckle to myself because there's obviously so many lives that have been impacted through your work both probably on and off the track but but one that I was really interested to hear about which I've um, I've written down on a piece of paper next to me just uh, with a dash next to it NAU which turns out I didn't need to because I've got the reminder on your shirt there. Uh, <laughs> is a uh, is the three is the three Pete that that you and Mike Smith had in the um in the cross country scene and uh, I was just really interested to to hear that from your perspective because Dave said it was going to be a an interesting story and uh, man I, I I know how competitive that college scene is over there so to to win anything once is big to win anything three times is I guess almost impossible is it Yeah you know and and again we are NAU you know, you ask somebody who NAU is, they go, I don't know. I don't know who NAU is. We're, we're a tiny school in a tiny town, but it so happens that northern Arizona is in Flagstaff, Arizona. Flagstaff, Arizona is at 7,000 feet. And it has literally become, and David can, you know, weigh in on this, but one of the running capitals of the world. So it's been fascinating to see how NAU draws not the guy who wants to go to the biggest school, but wants to go to this sort of down-home place where it's raw. You know, it's the, nothing fancy. But on the other hand, the spirit that's on the team is just amazing. And uh, we did a program a few, two years ago now with Mike Smith, and he's the, he's the coach of the team, he, the cross-country team and the track team. And the, the plan was to be there for two hours. You know, to be there. And they were literally, the exercise was this. Tell me about something, because tell me about something uh, in your life that, at the time, you really thought it was going to be awful and terrible and tragic. But as time went on, you got to see in hindsight, if that didn't happen in your life, you wouldn't be who you were today. So literally, in, in many ways, it's a story of a runner. You have to overcome stuff. You have to keep on going, no matter what's going on. And so, so we're going around, and there are probably 16, 18 people. And this two-hour group literally turned into five hours. 
and there wasn't a person there who wasn't crying. And, and, and the thing that Mike Smith does, which beyond anything I've ever seen, and he tells them straight up, he said, you guys are runners here, but more than anything is the love we have for each other. And literally that energy of this connection, this bond, this trust is to me what makes NAU this energy that goes into it. It's so far beyond their bodies. It's, and it's really what you said, Dyson, their spirit gets involved. Cause, cause when Mike is with somebody, he's not with their body. He, you know, that's there. It's there. And they get great stuff, but he's with their soul and he cares about them. And that, that energy is generated throughout the team. So, when they're out there, they're just not people trying to run. So it's mind-boggling to me to see how completely connected they are in so many different ways. So it's just been a joy to see. And, and then the new ones come in, and they, who doesn't want to be part of that? Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. just, it, it has been to, you know, to do that, a three-peat at Northern Arizona University. And... Just this past indoor season, which they weren't, they couldn't do, but they still had seven All-Americans coming out of Northern Arizona University. Seven long-distance All-Americans coming out of NAU. So something magic is happening. It has happened for years. It's been going on, and it's just take taken off to a place that's uh, makes me cry. It really does. It's just. Mm -hmm. just a what, what I'm interested about, Dave, as well, is I, I know in our conversations, you've told me a little bit about um, Bert's Jewish roots. And uh, I know we've spoken about, uh, you know, spirituality and, and religion, for, for lack of a better word to describe what we're, we're trying to explain. But um, you don't you definitely don't come from a like a, a religious background or, or necessarily subscribe to any particular religion. So I'm always impressed when someone who, who does come out of, a, a I guess, a religious scene can connect with someone who's who's not, because I think. Um, having been a bloke who's who spent some time in the church, one of the areas where we probably let ourselves down in a big way is just assume we've got the answers and we'll beat you over the head with it till you believe it. Um, but there, there seems to be something that uh, effective people who come out of any religion or any spiritual scene can do, which is is connect with that spirit that they're talking about rather than just some set of rules and regulations. So, um, I mean, anyone who listens to Bert can can see he's already, uh, he, he's, he's doing it the good way. He's doing what, what a lot of us need to take notes on. But um, was that something that, um, I, I guess I'm just interested in knowing how you guys connected so well with, with uh, I guess, that being Bert's foundation and you coming from a, a different world. Like, obviously, anyone listening knows you don't have to be a, a religious person to be able to be a, a switched on spiritual person. But um, I, I guess sometimes that might be like a little bit of a, a blockage between a relationship if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, look, I, I think uh, I, I should preface this just maybe with a little, little joke to kind of lighten, lighten the mood a little bit, but I mean, it, whatever, whatever your religion um, or whatever your belief system um, and, and there are many, um, including, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of the phrase, um, the church of the Sunday long run. So, <laughs> so it's a, it's a common, uh, it's a common belief. It's one of the um, best churches, one of the best churches. <laughs> it's a, uh, a belief system held by many runners, um, of the, uh, the, uh, profound, uh, value and importance of the, of the Sunday morning long run, um, which, which traditionally for, for many faiths, uh, 
is a is a time of rest and and um, recuperation and, and prayer in in a, in a church setting or a synagogue setting or, or wherever the location may be. Um, so I, I think, but I think in, in mentioning that, um, it's kind of a good a good segue into highlighting that um, whatever your faith and whatever it is that you believe in, um, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the kind of the purpose and, and the, the, um, the meaning behind any and, and all um, ancient and, and modern belief systems is um, how can I be a better version of myself and, and how can I put, how can I be the best version of myself for the rest of the world and, and the people in my world. Um, and that's kind of been my literal um, kind of process and question that I've always come back to um, whenever I've um, been trying to make sense of things, um, trying to make sense of um, my reality in, in, in a running, from a running sense, making sense of my reality um, outside of running, um, make, making sense of running itself. You know, why, why am I running? Like I, I'm literally putting one foot in front of the other, running around in circles, trying to do it faster than other, than other people. Like, what's the point? <laughs> uh, you know, that, it, and it's, that, that's, that's been a question that's, you know, um, plagued me many times. Um, and, and I think that's kind of at, at, at its essence, um, many religious traditions is is uh is trying to answer that question like what is my purpose uh, what am i here for um and i you know look, i've you know maybe maybe i could argue that running's become my religion but but it's certainly been a a vehicle that i've used to make sense of things and and you know now i'm able to answer you know why why do you run and what's your purpose and and at the end of the day for me it um it centers me. Um, it uh, it relaxes me. It brings me great joy. Um, and and if by bringing me joy, then that that's that's kind of the the way in which I um, give my best version of myself to the world. Um, mm. Whether that's from a, a physio perspective, um, whether it's just connecting with people, and that's you know that's. That's my second great joy is, is just connecting with people and and um, you know at, at the last Bert and I have been catching up um, every couple of weeks for the last the last couple of months and it's usually been at eight o'clock in the morning and the last few weeks I've been I've been getting out at the crack of dawn to to go for a, a Saturday morning run and and um, and I, we, I always arrive with a big smile on my face you know mostly because I'm getting a chance to chat with Bert but also because I've just been for a run and I feel alive and and um, and uh, life's life's pretty good in those situations. So um, that's kind of how that's kind of you know it it doesn't really matter what I what I believe in or or well it does matter what I believe in and it does matter what Bert believes in but it doesn't matter that they're 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 not necessarily for, with this from the same origins because I think that the destination is is still the same and. And um, and that's what I love. I mean, I I, um, I I love I love hearing Bert's um, Bert's stories and messages. And and we've we've had many times sitting around his fireplace um, in Flagstaff and um, reading passages from from different books that that um, that uh, 
he finds an important message and and we'll read it together and and I I always leave feeling um feeling just a little bit more joy and um uh my my little flame burning a little bit brighter so um and it you know it's the same with you Tyson you know I uh, we I leave conversations with you and it doesn't really matter what the what the conversations are about but that just that human connection and and being being vulnerable and being able to talk about things that you know aren't necessarily you know the the uh the um the stereotypical um topics of conversation for for men and 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 just being tender it's um it's heartwarming yeah yeah no that's awesome every time you speak dave i I always have 12 mental highlights of good things that we could expand on but um (laughs) but before we do that one thing which stood out to me was uh, for anyone listening to this, we're recording. It's we started this at eight a.m. on a Saturday morning, and uh, Dave just mentioned that him and Bert have been catching up regularly at eight a.m. Uh, every couple of weeks. And I thought that you guys were were guests on this podcast today, but it turns out <laughs> I've just interrupted your conversation. <laughs> it's, it's just another version of the same. <laughs> um, one variation. Bert, I was going to ask you, um, uh, like, if there was anything that you wanted to touch on there, because uh, I, I think it is it is one thing, and without uh, trying to turn this into like a, a necessarily a conversation all around religion, I guess it's a, it is a, a foundation of it with with your background, Bert. But um, <clears throat> I don't want to give away too many of your secrets. But you mentioned before we started that you're about to turn seventy four in the seventy four was it? That's what I said. In the next 70. couple of weeks, and this isn't going to be going out. Uh, in audio, but I wouldn't have put your day past 58, Bert. <laughs> and uh, I, I think one thing that that anyone who's who's been connecting with a whole heap of people for for years and years, like you, you mentioned, you have been, is I guess you have to learn new and unique ways to connect with people from from different worldviews. Um, and I guess I just wanted to pick your brain about if there was any particular uh, ways that you went about that, or is that is that something that you're you're cautious to do because to Obviously, Dave's a really open-minded guy and, um, you know, very patient with a lot of ideas and things like that. But it can be, I guess, intimidating if, if you're coming at him from a, a different worldview, knowing where he's from. If you're not cautious with the, the way you tread, it can come across the wrong way. I don't know if I phrased that question well. I guess I'm I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on what Dave said. No, Matt, I, what I think, in a nutshell, what you're asking is, you know, when people are different, you know, and I'm coming, you know, I obviously come... I mean, I've, I've got a big beard and I wear a yarmulke. You know, I mean, it's, people can tell that I'm a that I'm a religious guy at some at some level, you know, and that always triggers something at some level, you know. And actually, that's actually one of the reasons why I started to wear a yarmulke about five years ago, was because and it's actually in the United States it's going on right now is that Jews from throughout history were singled out and a lot of persecution that was going on. By the time my family came to the United States, we had assimilated. So I never experienced that. I was just part of the crowd. And then people who wear yarmulkes look funny to me, you know, even though just my ancestors a few, you know, years ago. And, you know, we're, we're wearing them, you know, maybe a generation ago. So there was something about being, uh, feeling what it was like to be on the outside. I just wanted to experience that. I wanted to know what it was like to you know, that blacks are experiencing that. Now, people of color are experiencing that. And, they're, it's, and they, of course, they've experienced it for, for hundreds of years. That. But that was part of what, uh, what you know, I, I wanted to feel that. 
With that said, and I've been more serious about this for the past dozen or so years, so I've really learned a lot. And the essence of anything spiritual that I can tell, and not just in my faith, because that's not the important thing, because spirit is a word that it goes beyond faith. Spirit is, is, is it's bigger than that, you know? And, and really the most important word in everything we do is, is in Hebrew, it's a word called echad. And what it means is one. And it doesn't necessarily, it, it is number one, but that's not the one that it means. It means there's nothing but one. Everything is part of one. We are all connected. And, and you, you know, as, as human beings, it's easy to see what's different and how we're separate and how, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're easy to be judgmentaholics. You know, it's just sort of built into the, the system. But to practice, and it literally is a practice because the animal part, is a, you, know, you know, does separate and you know, judges easily. Ourselves, too. We judge our own selves easily. But this idea, you know, of echad, to practice that, and to always look, see, what's beautiful about that person? You know, how, how do I, how, you know, what's, what's important about that person? What can I learn from that person? To continually get that frame and to shut off, you know, the voice that's saying, they look kind of weird, or, mm. or, or they're different than me. And, but it, it also directly into your question about, you know, that we are different. And part of it is, and, and I can tell you're good at this, that, each person is somehow we have to measure how to enter into their being. And we don't, you don't pound it. You gently, you know, meet them where they can take me in. So I think that's been, it, it's sort of a, an intuition and just paying attention. I, I can tell that it, I rarely use the word God unless somebody invites me to do it because I know that can turn somebody else. So I would, you know, so it's paying attention to what, how we make this connection. So we actually could have to do, a chud doesn't mean we're all the same. In fact, it means in many ways the opposite of that. We're all different. Every soul comes into this world unique. And in many ways, it's, that is what makes it a challenge. I mean, you know, we're in relationships. We know the person that we're, we're with, or eight, they don't say the, see the world the same way we do. You know, in fact, nobody does. Mm. And letting go to somehow just to see with even with that said. Not only are we all in this world together, but we're all hold an essential role in this world together. It's just cool to see people in those eyes. So it just helps me to forget about my yarmulke and my beard, and my Jewishness and just to be connected soul to soul. And it, it, there's an ease to that. Can I always do it? Absolutely not. Do I want to always do it? Probably. You know, am I working every day to see if I can do it better? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome, Bert. That's awesome. I think um, the athletics, the athletics world, which you which you touched on earlier, and and something which uh, you know what you just spoke about, you'd be able to practice each and every day with the athletes and the the clients and stuff that you work with. But the athletics world is a a, a constant battle of transformation and overcoming difficulties and and uh, like what we were speaking about earlier with Dave is I guess um uh, seeing the weakness in your story and then overcoming that and um uh, what I'm interested about and because you you mentioned that you knew Richard Raw uh, Richard Raw wrote a book uh, years ago Dave I don't know if I've spoken to you about it before which is called Falling Upward uh 
maybe not that book. No, no, it's a it's a story essentially about um, stumbling your way stumbling your way forward. Um, so falling, but then getting down stronger, uh, getting up stronger. And he, he speaks about the I think he calls it the hero's journey, where we're invited into a dark place. Um, which is where we've actually got to find like a, a special golden coin, which we can bring back to everyday life and, and show people this thing that we've found. And I think it's a nice metaphor for um, what what we're all speaking about in a way is that transformation process. And but I'm I'm really interested, uh, especially in in your role. Um, obviously, you say you're, you're 74, and in 74 years, I, I can imagine there's been a few things which can either make you cynical or can give you a greater joy and passion for. For life, and I, I was just interested to hear if there was any particular events in your own life which led you to be so passionate about helping the lives of others. Because I, I've seen too many people who are 33, which is my age, be super cynical about the world. Let alone, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90, who are who are just they're just bitter about it and dirty about it. And it just it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's not inspiring, and it, it doesn't inspire you to want to leap forward. But speaking to a bloke like yourself has the opposite effect. Like, have there been? certain events in your life which have been uh, difficult, sort of like what Dave was talking about, which have really transformed the way that you you not only um, sort of walk in your own world, but the way you, you relate to the lives of other people? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful question. Uh, and, and the first, you know, the first one that comes up to me, because at the time, well, let me back up a little bit. So I think the hardest thing that ever happened in my life was, was actually getting a divorce. And I was at the time I was on television doing a program, talking to the whole region about relationships and love and stuff like that. And when that happened or when I was part of that or whatever it was, I was crushed to the bone. I've never been so low in my life. You know, we had two kids. This never thought would happen in my life. Uh, I, I, the time stopped. I didn't even know what was going on. Um, so that was probably the lowest. And, it, and at that point, it was interesting. You know, what I did back then, every day I would get out my rollerblades and, you know, rollerblade for, for, for two hours just to clear my head, to move my body, to, you know, to make sure that I was alive. And, and, and one of the things that happened, and this was before I got particularly involved with, uh, you know, my faith, was that. Literally, I could not have done this without friends. Literally, I was going through hell, and without people there, literally carrying me through hell every day, all day long, pretty much, I don't know what would have happened. And so that was a moment that I could just see, literally, it's not, a, it's not just important to be with us. We need each other. I mean, we're not used to using that word, particularly as males need i don't need that you know it's nice but i don't need it but that's not true you know this connection this bond leaning on people is the most important thing we have and if we don't have that you know then of course ultimately at a spiritual level we could you know lean on that higher spirit too you know but down here and then everyone is part of that spirit and it's just a joy that when i see and part of any kind of connection. And, and I'm, I don't know, I, I'm just, I don't know if it's a crybaby, that's the right thing, but when I feel that connection, I have tears in my eyes and I have them every day. So this journey of connecting and the joy and, you know, helping people to cry, <laughs> literally, you know, has just been 
such a such a joyous run and it did and you know asked you asked a good question you know what what was the darkest time and the darkest time is when i i found out how much closeness really mattered and could, could lift us out and and how people were there for me oh my god so it's part of our duty and our joy to be there for other people mm-hmm. yeah that's the part of the church of the sunday run as well dave hey getting that group around you just to vent in the fresh air and, and have a little bit of a chat and one of the things Absolutely. that um, one of the things you said before, and sorry, I'm dancing around a little bit here. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to take mental notes of where we're up to, but it's it's hard when you've got so many uh, <laughs> potential directions you could take it. But I wanted to go back to one of the 12 highlights I, I took from you before, Dave. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is uh, is you were speaking about how you guys would sit in front of the fireplace and and just throw different verses and throw different thoughts and stuff back at each other. What what books were you going through there? What were you guys reading together? Oh well, yeah. Look, Bert's probably Bert's probably a better person to ask this because um, most most of them were his. He's uh, I this is I guess this is a potentially another tangent, but um, yeah, it's it's worth saying. Uh, part of part of Bert's and my relationship is um, Bert's just been an incredible teacher of mine, um, and uh, and you know whatever superlative you, you want to call it, role model, teacher, um, guide, um, uh, father figure, um, all, all, all of the above. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, Bert, Bert probably knows the, the names of some of these books more than I do. But, um, yeah, look, it was always, uh, it was always in the, all, all of these, all of these times sitting around the, the fireplace and, and connecting and, and conversing is was um, was all about growing. It was all about growing and 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 learning and 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 connecting and um, yeah, dif- different messages along the way. But yeah, as for the actual as for the actual books, Bert might be the better person to ask. <laughs> Feel free to jump in, Bert. If you got any titles that we need to check out, hey, I'm I've got a notepad and pen. Yeah, yeah I mean, let's let's. I've been really blessed about. 13 years ago, this uh, young rabbi with a big beard knocks on my door at my office and he says, can I come in? I wasn't looking for a rabbi with a big beard at the time. And whatever, however that happened, you know, one thing led to another and he's become one of my dearest friends my whole life. And he's given me a ton of books. (laughs) I mean, and and, and every one of them is somehow related, you know, to uh, a great teacher, a great mystic, uh, the mystical teachings, the Kabbalah. Things come, you know, lessons from the Torah, uh, how to have a, you know, positive awareness, just different understandings and truths. You know, I mean, one like, like gratitude. David talked about it earlier, you know, and he said, this is an amazing thing because, you know, gratitude and wherever you look, there's gratitude is part of, you know, when you're looking at in in the spiritual realm and how how to connect, uh, gratitude is always there. And one of the great wisdoms that I read a few years ago, and I use it all the time, is that gratitude is simply an acknowledgement of reality. And ingratitude is a denial of reality. So that's fascinating, because really, as we sit here, and we're looking at here, you know, I'm wearing pants that are probably, you know, made by, who knows, 100 people, and you're in a room that was made by a few, I mean, are just surrounding us, you know, the equipment that we're using. This experience right now is is available to us because of thousands of people. 
And we can be thankful in terms of the reality. Every moment that we are surrounded by people who are making this moment a reality, our reality. Now, to me, at least when I talk about this, I get a little high. I get I get a buzz, you know, to because now we're this is our reality. Our reality is that we are connected and we can be thankful literally every second of every day if we if we wanted to. That's there. That is reality. So just, you know, that was one of the great, great learnings that keeps on coming up. Uh, and just in each one of the books, you know, like, okay, so that's a wisdom, but that w wisdom can change my life. When I do that at any given time, and I've actually integrated that in my life. So I do try to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and there, there's this, one of this great, a great leader, the Baal Shem Tov, and some of the books are about this mystic leader. And he had this way, he was called, it was called Devekut, it was glued to God. But basically, for, for any of us, and forget about the spiritual part, that every moment of the day, he stayed glued to, to the higher part. So we didn't even allow, like David was talking, you know, those monster voices to come in. Why give him room when we can go to, go to a higher place? So literally, it becomes a practice, a discipline to move away from the darkness and into the light. So those, so, so nearly every book that I read is somewhere they're telling lessons about how do you move to something more positive, to something where the light is, to, to allow. And then in some ways, in that way, the darkness becomes a gift to us because it guides us. It says, okay, now it's time to move over here. And I've even learned, you know, as I've gotten older, when something dark comes, I say, thank you for being there because now you're reminding me to head back to where I need to go. Mm -hmm. As opposed to giving all that attention and going down with it. So I, I was blessed that this young rabbi came and gave me, I must have 40 books right now. And every morning <laughs> I take about, depending upon the season, I take in front of the fireplace or take them out in the patio and read three or four of them and, and, and often have tears in my eyes. Again, you know, to, to know literally how much better a person we can all be and to, to learn something new. So many, many books and a lot, a lot of learnings and God willing, a lot more years to go to learn. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Dave, um, you meant, you meant, oh, sorry, yeah, go, you. Just because it did actually remind me of, um, of, of one book and, and actually a podcast that we, we listened to together once. And again, just me trying to bring some, a bit more comical value here, but <laughs> one, one book that we did, we did open up together and, and we actually started reading together and um and we didn't finish it and i think for i i think in many ways for good reason <laughs> was a uh was a book i think most people will be familiar with because it was a bestseller it was um it was a had a bright orange co cover and it was called the subtle art of not giving an f um by a guy called mark mark manson i think i think it was his name and um Although I'm sure there was some important lessons in there, um, there, there certainly wasn't a tenderness about the the way the message was presented, and and I think I think it, it was an example of uh, of of one um, one time sitting down together and we're just like, mm, this isn't this isn't our this is just not the level that we're on. This is not the spirit that we 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 uh, the currency that we we converse in. Um, 
And although I think there was probably an important message in there, um, it just wasn't the, the the way to get there wasn't wasn't reflective of 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 the way that that we converse. So mm. anyway, that was that was one book that I remember, and and uh, I I look back on and with with a a certain sense of um, uh, a bit of laughter about it. <laughs> it's funny. I was in a bookshop a few months ago with one of my friends, and we were laughing at how many titles dropped the F-bomb. And we reckon Mark yeah. Manson kick-started a trend that if you had the F-bomb in your title, you'd automatically have a bestseller. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> probably some truth to that. Dave, before uh, before we went down there, I was going to ask you about, um, uh, so this Saturday morning conversation of your guys, which I've rudely interrupted today, um, I was I was curious to know, so after after years of years of, of sort of knowing each other and bouncing ideas off each other, what, what do you guys talk about? Like, what are the things that... <laughs> Um, and, and without giving away too many of your secrets, what are the what are the things that you bounce off Bert that um, are, are still helping you just you know keep your keep your focus and uh, I guess your enthusiasm for the sport and for for life um, up here? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't think it has a, a defined answer. Um, I, I think we now now we've we've kind of uh, we've gone past the the professional connection and we are. We are pretty personally connected, and and we talk about family, and we talk about life. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's very difficult these days um, to have a conversation with anyone. And I'm, I might be jinxing things here because we actually haven't talked about COVID nineteen and 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 things in this this podcast. But that's certainly we, we talk about the world that we're living in. Um, you know the the plight. Um, certainly that. Um, people in the United States are, uh, are going through at the moment. Um, uh, a lot of turmoil and trauma, um, politically, um, spiritually, um, in every respect. And, and so a lot of, a lot of things we, we, like any conversation, we acknowledge what's going on around the world. We, we connect over it and we count our blessings, uh, that, um, despite that we're able to, to connect every couple of weeks. Um, you know the the last the last 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 time we connected two weeks ago, um, I was down at the beach, so we um, we enjoyed the sound of the waves the waves in the background and um, but yeah look that there's no there's no magic to 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 what we talk about it's um, I think the magic is is the connection um, and it's and it's the um, and it's the ability to um, irrespective we, we could we could sit here and not talk and just look at each other and and just enjoy um enjoy the, the the blessings that that is the the relationship that we've that we've formed over the last 10 years um so look uh, there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing in particular that we talk about um in, in many respects a little bit like you and i tyson we we you know, we come in with good intentions of talking about a particular topic, but <laughs> oftentimes it, it, it di- digresses, and I think that's a, the refle- a reflection on on the fact that, again, it, it doesn't matter what we talk about. It's what matters is that we're connected, and and um, and I I always leave feeling feeling better um, having talked to both of you. I, I remember it was probably about four, five, six weeks ago, um, I, I, I caught up with you, Tyson, on a Friday. On Saturday, I caught up with Bert, 
And then on Sunday, I caught up with another dear friend, and and the the common theme was it's it was the three very important people in my life that um that uh, that I have a unique ability to to just connect with, um and and just feel feel so much more alive than you know potentially with with other people that I that I um that I'm friends with and and converse with. So mm. um. Yeah, it, it certainly um, it certainly goes beyond whatever the topic of conversation is. Yeah, no, feelings mutual, brother. Thanks for that. Um, but I, I can imagine there'd be there'd be a plenty of people who are listening to this who um, who might be going through their own moment of darkness. And I know in those moments it can feel like they're it's difficult to see that light at the end of the tunnel, and it's a little bit challenging. And um, despite their best efforts, it feels like it, it you know whether it's their own personal divorce divorce uh, divorce. What's that word again? You know what I'm trying to say, don't you? It's spelled D-I-V-O-R-C, <laughs> divorce, sorry. Yeah. Or uh, uh, like which just represents, a, I guess, maybe a metaphor in their life. And we've touched on gratitude and we've touched on, uh, you know, the power of just going out for a run or a rollerblade and clearing your head. But are there any are there any other um, just really helpful guides to, to people which, which you seem to bring up time and time again, which are in the same realm as gratitude to, uh, and friendship to help these people through the difficult times? Well, thanks for finally asking me that question. <laughs> no, because this is the number one. I'm about to give you the number one, right? And it's it's uh, see if I can I'll, I'll I'll ease into it somehow or another. But for those of you who have taken yoga before, um, and you ask ask somebody who you know what's the most important part about yoga, and do you know what it is, Tyson? What's the most important part about yoga? I'm going to say breathing. Okay, you get an A in this course. <laughs> so, so, fascinating. So, here we are going through all these positions, you know, all these things like that, and you, all this stuff. And then you get what's the most important part? Breathing. So, what's the big deal? You know, why is breathing the most important part of yoga? And this is so the essence of that. Well, also, if you go into the dictionary and look under the word spirit and some definition of spirit is feeling connected or this higher part, you know, everybody's got kind of a different one, but it's a beautiful word. The first word that comes up is breath. Isn't that fascinating? So when we are in a state of anxiety and when we're in a state of, of negativity, literally unconsciously, our breathing tightens. We go up in here and we get locked into a negative place. You know, if you go to the movies and you're seeing a horror show, you know, every, everything is everything is up here, right? In yoga, they teach you how to breathe in your belly. And what happens is literally we begin to bring in enough oxygen so we can activate the higher part of our brain. And when people are in, in a meditative state or in a prayerful state and they... They measure, you know, which neurons you're firing. They begin to fire up here. Oh, down here, when we're afraid, down in the lower part of the brain, that's where fight and flight is. Just yesterday, I worked with this 18-year-old kid. First time we're Zooming now because of all the COVID stuff. And I said to him, uh, it's kind of weird. We've never met before. But uh, let's breathe in your belly for a little bit. 18-year-old, I felt a little nervous. You know, that sounds a little weird. But he went for it, and I said, you notice anything different? 
And this was like, we did it for like 30 seconds, maybe 40. And he said, well, it kind of cleared my head. Mm. I was blown away. Because here he was, a young kid, awkward, he doesn't know me. And then just in that moment, from switching his breath from here, and he does have some breathing problems, you know, which put all this stuff together. Um, so I begin every session and during the session, I have people pay attention to their breath and breathing through their nostrils as opposed to their mouth. And then we literally begin to go to a higher place, to a more grounded place, to a, a place that's got some more peace in it. So my number one deal, and you know, is to begin, A, because one of my, probably one of my favorite probably phrases or lessons is, I don't know who discovered water, but I'm sure it wasn't the fish. You know, when we're in it, we don't even know we're in it, right? So when you have anxiety, you, you just think that's, that's what's going on. But the, the truth is we have a choice. And guaranteed in that moment, for everybody who's listening, guaranteed in that moment, I guarantee that our breath, your breath, is tighter. And literally that becomes a choice point to go from fear to something higher which makes us human beings. That's We are the ones who have the choice at any given moment where we're going to go. So this thing go, the breath brings us to all these different realms. It even comes to choices. Because I, I talk about, so the next thing along with that is that they're default patterns. When we get stressed out, then we have patterns that don't serve us. You know, we either retreat or we eat a lot or, you know, we get mad or, or whatever that is, you know. And we just think that we have to, and that's not true. Literally, a breath can take us to a choice at that point and go, oh, I, I can do something higher at any given moment, no matter what preceded it, which is an amazing thing going forward in life, that every moment we can make a choice that we don't, our, our, whatever happened before doesn't have to determine what's next. Mm -hmm. So that breath and the idea of, of choice at any given moment are so powerful and so practical and they don't cost anything. Literally, you know what I mean? We get, we have that moment that possibility every moment. But you've lived up to your expectation. <laughs> it's uh, joy. What a joy, really. Da David, David uh, pop popped you up, and this really is, this is cool, being with you guys. Nah, feelings, feelings mutual. And uh, hey, yeah, it's an open invite. Don't feel any pressure, but I'd love to do it again at some stage if you're open to it. And Dave, uh, I'm sure we'll do plenty more of these, but man, it's, it's just good. I, I like it that... Uh, it's funny because so many times in, in, in life, I use running as a metaphor to understand other parts. And we touched on things like training and effort and relaxation. And um, I mean, there's a, there's a million things that you can take out of that. And it's, it's nice that we've sort of delved into a few of those things today, not necessarily running training and strength training, but things which if you can start to implement in your day-to-day -day life, it's not only going to help your life, but for the athletes who are listening to this, I'm sure it's going to play a big impact on the way that you run around a track. So um really appreciate you guys and, and really appreciate you making the time to to stop by yeah absolute joy and uh look any excuse that i can get to be with david so you're on on that one but even, <laughs> even without david it's great that we got introduced and it's, it's I, I got a new friend here so uh, let, let's do it again beautiful bird i want i want to know which beard growing oil you use because what you're looking at in the camera here is the best i can get and i feel like i'm letting the rabbi team down <laughs> You know, uh, I, I can't tell a lie. This is just natural. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, awesome. I'll do my best. Give me a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll grow it out. But, um, fellas, let's leave it there. Thank you so much. And, uh, hey, let's touch base again soon. Okay. Thanks, yeah. you guys. Awesome. Done. That is the end of the recording. Sweet. Guys, that was awesome. That was so good. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. You were, yeah, it's just beautiful. Great questions. Just great connection. It just rolled rolled beautifully. Yeah, you know, great. I um, it was it was difficult, but I'd never interviewed or never spoken to two people at, at once on over Skype before. So sorry if my questions were a little all over the place. I was trying to tie things together and make sure I wasn't speaking over you guys. And I, I it's awkward because I should have said at the start, "Oh, feel free to talk over me and say something if you've got <laughs> something to chuck in." But no, it's great. I, I, I thought it, I thought it was. Perfect. It's like yeah, we've been I, doing it. I agree. I agree. For, <laughs> it went smooth. The whole conversation was smooth. I was quite. I just didn't want you guys to to feel like I knew too many questions. It's just because I probably had something going on over here. Like, okay, don't forget to ask that. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about you every once in a while, going, "Oh, you, you're not. You're, you're trying to figure out what we're doing here. You know." <laughs> yeah. and, and you did a. You, how, how long have you been doing this? It's really cool. Uh, but this is. I actually. I had a podcast for about a year. A couple of years ago. And uh, I've been doing this particular one for about six months, but uh, um, so maybe like a year and a half in total. Yeah, yeah, really, it's good. I mean, you're good. It just, I mean, you just it's smooth, it's relaxed, and I mean, you're willing to, you know, you're not forcing it to go anyplace, and we get to talk about what we really love to talk about. And it's really cool. And then you know to have us guys just loving each other over here that 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 was heaven, man. It's nice. It's. I was thinking as we were speaking about it, I was like a. It's something I'm really passionate about, Bert, is this is this male side of spirituality and um, especially in our day and age. So I, I was sort of surprised when you not, – I'm not surprised as much as I was happy when you brought that up and some of the stuff that you guys uh, speak about together. I was like, oh, I think I think this will help a lot of a lot of guys, especially who are listening. It, it's it's yeah. sort of nice just to be able to hear that, oh, what, like, what, you guys cry? Well, you seem happy. You seem <laughs> – That's right. And, and, and a lot of our tears are tears of happiness. Mm. I mean, just, you know – I would say every time when we say goodbye, you know, it's some, some version of sadness that we're saying goodbye and joy that we're in each other's lives. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, tears are, I mean, I once wrote something about tears, just about that. At least they, they come for at least 10 different reasons, right? From different (laughs) places. Really, right? You know, know, from all these different places. But what you're saying is that men could cry more. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. no it's just uh what a joy i'm glad you're doing this and we could we could all do it together it's just uh one one more way to connect with people that's what you're doing you know yeah it's, it's yeah cool. but uh dave a plus for the connection thanks man that was uh that was all and lived and lived up to everything i hoped it would that was that was unreal i hope you had as much fun as me <laughs> uh, well, look, it, i mean it was a little selfish on my part because um yeah i uh i, I just thrive off thrive off um yeah connecting with people like this so it was, <laughs> it was a little <laughs> selfish on my part but um but uh yeah and, and thanks Bert for thanks Bert for uh yeah joining in and um yeah not necessarily having a having our, our just our one-on-one this week but um having a having a uh one-on-one on one instead <laughs> uh this was heaven nothing less than heaven really Great job, Tyson. Thanks, fellas. Thanks a lot.